0: 2019 season has arrived. The Bearcats take on the UCLA Bruins this Thursday night, 7 p.m. at Nippert Stadium. We will see you there, and after the game, you can get all of your post-game coverage right here on Bearcat Journal. The following week, the Bearcats, September 7th, head up to Columbus to take on Ohio State. It will be our first watch party of the year at Taft's Brewporium. You can join us throughout the season at TAS. We will be hosting Bearcat Journal official watch parties every road game throughout the season. Come hang out with me. Have some incredible pizza, some garlic knots with absolutely to die for uh, uh, beer cheese that I uh, I could bathe in. Uh, great wings. And, of course, as you know at TAS, an incredible selection of craft beer, from the Tafts Craft Brewery located inside the Tafts Brewporium. So that's where you will be able to find us, whether it's there at the Brewporium or at Tafts Alehouse downtown, where you can get you some fantastic tri-tip, smoke tri-tip steak. Uh, that you can come and join the party, watch all of the Bearcats action on the road this year at Tafts Brewporium. And we are joined today, as always, during football season by my partner Dave Simone. We have a special guest, Tracy Pearson, the owner and publisher of & Report Online. Tracy, Tri Tip, Smoke Tri Tip, a big thing in California. Are you a Tri Tip guy?
1: All I want to know is can I come to Chaff's Brew Emporium? In a yeah,
0: week? That absolutely. sounds amazing. Oh, it's, it, it's a massive, basically, they they, they they bought a warehouse to do all of their brewery like work. And then the distribution for all their cans and all that stuff. And then decided we might have a little too much room. So they just opened up the entire front half of the warehouse and turned it into a bar.
1: I'm looking up Cass Brew and Pour Him. I'm Googling it right now just to know where I'm going to be going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is really, really good stuff. They have a New Haven style pizza. Like I said, they got wings, garlic knots, sandwiches, all kinds of good stuff. And excellent, excellent craft beer. So the Bearcats and the Bruins are round two. They played last year to open the season in the Rose Bowl. The Bearcats pulled out a victory. uh, A fourth-quarter touchdown by Mike Warren was the difference. And these two teams are two of the youngest teams in the country last year. They are, again, two of the youngest teams in the country. But that youth has a a year of experience underneath their belt now. So it should be a very interesting matchup Thursday night, Nippert Stadium. Dave, I will turn it over to you, and you and Tracy can have at it.
2: Great, and thanks for joining us tonight, Tracy. I guess first off, outside of in-game execution that was clearly much better for the Bruins, the second half of the year versus the first half of the year, what were the biggest changes in just the program itself that you guys have been able to notice during that time of the season and then now carrying over into the offseason as we close in on the start of the 2019 year? Well, uh,
1: Chip Kelly, when he came in to UCLA, he is, I, he try, he's attempting to dramatically change the entire program, the culture, literally raising it to the ground. Um, there have been 35 guys who have left the program since he was there. Uh, that's a huge amount of guys. A lot of guys that talented guys, highly rated guys, four stars and better that he might've been able to use actually, but he he wants to do it his way. Um, so he, he raised it to the ground, uh, which left him necessar- not necessarily with too much of a full roster. Uh, so think about what that process is, is when you're getting rid of literally, you know, half the team at one point, not counting necessarily the um, the walk-ons. Uh, so a bunch of new faces. Um, from that standpoint, then he installs you know, all the new schemes. Um, if you watched closely that game last year, uh, UCLA had really no idea what they were doing. Um, just not even the players, but the coaches. First game of the coaches that staff had, had ever done together. I mean, they didn't even know. They, they were even screwing up how to get a play in. Um, so you can imagine what it's like a year in the program now. Um, I'd say the mantra from Paul camp was from the players was how much more comfortable they are in the program, in the schemes that they are playing instinctually. They don't have to think twice. Um, uh, an offensive lineman I know and honestly said that, you know, last year with the first three or four games, they literally were guessing where they had to go a lot of times. And in the second half of the season, they, they weren't. And that they know everything really well now. So there's there's dramatic changes, just not scheme-wise and player comfort level with the scheme, but just, you know, deep changes within the program. And it's still not done, I'd say you know they're still very much in the process of trying to change the entire culture.
2: Both quarterbacks saw their first action of their careers last year, neither with neither of them starting the game. where has Where did Dorian Thompson Robinson make the most gains as the season went on, and kind of what were some of the things that he was looking to? build on during the off season and now into fall camp well, well as you know um rilton
1: State started the game got injured Dorian thompson robbins took took over for him as a true freshman he he didn't even get the benefit of coming in for spring practice which a lot of true freshman quarterbacks who have a chance to compete to actually start will do um so he literally had just a couple of weeks before he even, you know, a couple of weeks of knowing the offense before he was thrown into that game. He played a few more games while uh, Wilton State was hurt. By the time uh, there were three or four games against, uh, it was actually game five, uh, actually game six, sorry, when they got their first win against Cal. He played really well in a a loss against Washington. He played very well. Those were two of the best offensive showings of the season, despite Wilton State coming back last year, uh, recovering from his injury. Um, And then he didn't play the last several games because Wilton State was a starter, and he played. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson's an interesting kid. He's a very talented kid. He's a highly-ranked quarterback he didn't necessarily play a lot of quarterback in high school because um, he, he sat behind Got him spacing on his name. The, the old Bishop Gorman quarterback. Um, oh, uh, Martel. Sorry.
2: The Tay
1: Martel. Uh, Martel. Yeah. You know, once they graduate and move on, I tend to forget about him. Um, so hadn't had a lot of experience playing quarterback. So this year now from last year, this off season until now, has been his biggest immersion in, in, in an offense. Um, we, we're not able to really watch ball camp. We're able to watch the media the first 15 to 20 minutes. So we can't see him really do anything. He, he'll go through just, you know, basic warm-up drills. Um, what we've heard is that he's shown uh, a huge advancement. Not huge, but a considerable invest, uh, advancement in knowing the offense, knowing his progressions, knowing how to execute the offense so that's what they're expecting from him uh he's a dual threat he has you know he runs really well uh the offense is is more of a multi-look pro style kind of scheme not necessarily you know it's not geared for the quarterback to run that much probably you know a few times a game but he has that capability um so i would expect him to look a lot more composed um a lot more knowledgeable in the scheme, um, especially from what you saw than last year, which was literally him being thrown into action after maybe, you know, being in the program for four weeks and being prepared to be the number two quarterback. So he might not look that similar to
2: what he looked like a year ago. What sort of tempo should we expect, just considering, I think, the nation expected almost a replication of Chip Kelly's offense at Oregon for reasons that you've already mentioned that really wasn't the case last year. Is there any indication that they're trending more towards that or is it more of a, a quote-unquote regular you know, college tempo that's still fast but not a breakneck uh, pace?
1: Yeah, it's nothing like the Oregon blur. Um, you know, they used to get plays off every 10 to 12 seconds. I don't even know if there's any offenses in college football that still do that. Uh, they'll play, they'll go to tempo at different times. Um, at they literally sometimes will go to tempo on different on different series. Um, so they'll break it out of where, but it's not it's nothing like 10 to 12 seconds. It's more like every 14 to 18 seconds. But um, they'll use it occasionally, but this is, it's not even close to the same scheme. I mean, he's using the same, you know, inside outside zone run scheme, but it's a pro style scheme with a lot of different looks. Uh, quarterback takes snap from under center. You know, there's double tight end looks. You know, there's all different kinds kinds of looks where the Oregon Blur didn't do that. So it's right. not really going to look anything like uh, the Oregon offense. I, I mean, you saw it last year, even though it was executed pretty poorly and they didn't really know what they were doing, but, um,
2: yeah, not even close to the Oregon blur. Going more specifically to the matchup in and of itself. I know, or I shouldn't say, I know it, it sounds like, um, there'll be a freshman starting at left tackle. And then can you kind of give us an update maybe on, I believe there were two or three wide receivers that were limited through fall camp but have been progressing and then star running back Josh Kelly, who UC fans probably don't even really remember, didn't play that much, but then turned out to have a, a great season last year was kind of hampered with an injury for most of camp. Are we expecting to see all of those guys in action or maybe some on a a limited basis?
1: I know you'll see all of those guys. Uh, Josh Kelly, uh, injured his knee probably about three weeks ago. Uh, he was out of practice for a few days, came back with a no contact Jersey and then recently probably the last three or four, four practices or so he's been fully practicing. What we can see in our first 20 minutes. Um, he has a brace on his knee and the brace has been getting smaller than he wears underneath his pant leg. Uh, I don't know if he'll be exactly a hundred percent. He could be a little bit rusty I'd say. Uh, but you, you're not even familiar with him because I think he gained something like 27 yards in the first three games of the season. And he ended up gaining 1243 yards. So, I mean, that literally was, you know, in nine games. So, you're not familiar with him but you'll see him quite a bit I, I would i would be surprised if he didn't play uh the receivers are fine uh the leading returning receiver is Theo howard he had a cast on his uh one of his wrists <laughs> uh that he um he's now had reduced to a smaller wrap he had that no contact jersey taken off a few practices ago he's been practicing with it though Um, making all the catches, doing everything he had to do. So I don't necessarily think he'll be too limited. Uh, Probably the biggest news really is that uh, UCLA starting, uh, its offensive line is returning four starters from last year. That was going to be a strength, but it lacks depth. Um, The one uh, guy they had to replace was the left tackle, and they were uh, going with, in spring, they were going with, a redshirt freshman named Alec Anderson, who then hurt his knee uh, about a week and a half ago. He's generally projected not to play in this game. Uh, the guy stepping in is true freshman Sean Ryan, who was the number one ranked uh, offensive lineman on the West Coast in the 2019 class. He's six four to six five, three hundred twenty five 325 pounds, you know, a talented kid but throwing in a true freshman to play left tackle, I think is, is a really, is a big challenge for him. Uh, He did not benefit from coming in in spring either. So he's been in the pro he's been in the program all summer, but literally practicing for about three weeks. So, you know, you have four other guys on that offensive line who are all returning starters. So they will help him out obviously, but I, you know, left tackle is an important position to have a true freshman playing at that spot. That would be one to watch. I think watch, watch to see on passing downs, how he does in pass protection. And just generally, if he's getting his assignments, you know, how he's doing at left tackle, that's probably a, a pretty big key to the game.
2: Chad, you have any right now?
0: I was just gonna say, listening to that, it, it, it could be equally as interesting on the Cincinnati side because they might have a guy at left tackle that didn't speak English like a year ago. Um, much less know how to play football. So
1: <laughs> Do you need to speak English to play
0: football though, Chad? Can't you just do it without speaking English? Well, you can, but he had actually never played football before. Wow. Now he is six yeah. foot nine, three hundred and fifty pound forty pounds, uh, and actually athletic. But it'll be interesting to see if, if Lorenz Metz is on the right side or the left side. Um, pretty sure he's going to start at one of them. It's just going to be a matter of they're kind of tinkering with with which side they think is best in, in their tackle rotation uh, as we head up to the game. But um, ultimately, with, with both of these teams, does it seem almost like mirror images again? Because last year going into this game, Nobody knew what to expect because both teams were were two of the four youngest teams in the country. There were a lot of questions all over the field that were going to be, you know, answered at that point in time. Uh, Both teams got significantly better as the season went on. UCLA obviously more uh, directly towards the second half of the season. But now both teams are still young, but a lot of those young guys now have experience. But we're also talking about game one and game one in college football without a preseason is a complete unknown. Does it feel like we're almost like we know what to expect more than last year, but we're still kind of going into this game dark?
1: Well, you're going in every, as you said, every first game of the season, you're going in dark. You're always going to be slightly surprised. Um, Most teams are plugging in more new starters, and I think either of these teams are. But then again, you're going to have a lot of growth potentially, you know, all that. UCLA started three true freshman defensive linemen last year, all season. Uh, I mean, Antonio uh, Maffei came into UCLA 6'2, 6'3, and he came in at 410 pounds. He's now 360 pounds. The guy next to him is Otito Albania, who had played very little football, and he's 6'4 and 340 pounds. So those two guys are now have been in the program for a year and you would expect their growth to be tremendous in that that second year. Um, I think the difference in the game last year, uh, and this is generally how it goes with every program, that was the first game of uh, a new coaching staff at UCLA with entirely new scheme. So that's going to be tough. Um, Cincinnati, uh, that was year two for uh, Fickle.
0: Correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, what did? How did they do first year under Fickle? Was it like four and eight? Uh, I think it was awful. four and eight. They were four and eight, four and, eight and they eight very awful. easily
0: could have been one and eleven.
1: Right. So I think I think right now, uh, even when you're in a second year, I think you're still learning the scheme. But I I think it's probably more of an even playing field when it when it comes to the players actually know what they're doing on the field um, on Thursday. Uh, so I think that will make it. I think that will make it a, a lot more interesting. Just from <laughs> the quality of play. I mean, that game was pretty ugly last year.
0: Um, so yeah, yeah, two quarterbacks uh, that that didn't know what they were doing at all, basically.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think it will be a a, a far better play game. Um, not just from a scheme standpoint, but all these guys are going to be bigger, stronger, more knowledgeable having been in the program for a year. So. Yeah, I think that's the most significant thing that, you know, both these teams, especially UCLA, you know, that was the first game of the new coaching staff, like I said, and now they're a year into it.
0: All right, man. Much appreciated. You guys you guys have anybody making the trip? Yeah. Uh, Dave
1: Woods. Guy's been working come up. for the site. Yeah. He lives in Atlanta actually, so he's I making will. the drive.
0: <laughs> I will I've I've made that drive many, many times. It's not that bad actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, four and a half hours through Kentucky, which isn't all that exciting, but it's, it's really about eight, about seven, seven and a half hours. It's really not that bad. I will actually be, uh, he was
1: shooting for six or six and a half hours.
0: He, he drives really fast then. (laughs) Well, it depends on where in Atlanta you live. Cause
1: he he lives in, uh, what, um, Marietta.
0: Yeah, I think that's a little bit north. Might be able to, if you get it into it, if you get into Atlanta at all, traffic is just a nightmare. It's so what atricious. you're saying is we might have to bail out Dave in like a speed trap in Kentucky. It's like Corbin, he might be in jail in Corbin, Kentucky. Yeah, uh, that would be
1: good for him. A good experience.
0: <laughs> character builder. <laughs> yeah. I it. will actually, I will be joining Dave tomorrow on, uh, on your, your Bruin Report online podcast to uh, discuss the Bearcats' angle on things. So uh, if you're a diehard fan, you want every angle of this game, you get Tracy, who is boots on the ground in L.A. tonight. I will be on with those guys tomorrow uh, on their podcast to preview the game as well. And then we're getting close. We've got a uh, press conference with Luke Fickle tomorrow, um, quiet on Wednesday, and then the kickoff to the college football season in Los Angeles and Cincinnati is uh, is coming up. Is there is there any and this is kind of kidding, but is there any uh, sense in UCLA that we can't lose four games to Cincinnati between football and basketball over four years?
2: Uh,
1: no. <laughs> I, I mean, probably from the fans, and I would say the fans probably aren't aren't even not aware of it. Okay. Uh, most UCLA fans have tried to ignore basketball <laughs> now uh, until until they stole your coach so but until then pe- uh, up until then people were ignoring basketball I think the the bigger sense for UCLA coming off a three and nine they had to live with a three and nine for the entire offseason and that's a tough thing to live with and it's that. motivational so I, I think they feel you know this is a huge gain for them and it, and it is good coincidentally that it happens to be against the team that started their zero and five last year. So it it's providing them a lot of motivation.
0: All right, man. Well, one thing I can't I, – I would guess if Mike Bone calls Dan Guerrero, Dan Guerrero is going to pull new phone who dis. Yeah. About, about schedule. Well, unless UCLA wins this year, then maybe he'll be like, ah, all right, let's kick it back. Let's run it back.
1: No, I don't think – I mean, all in all – before you say, you know, but Cincinnati is not a good home and home in any sense of, you know, it's, it's just not a good thing to do at all. <laughs> as you, you guys have completely proven. it.
0: All right. Well, thanks Tracy. Much appreciated my friend. And uh, keep doing the good work on Brewing report online and we will talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Thanks guys. Thanks all for having right.
0: me. Tracy, Thank you. Tracy Pearson, Brewing report online. Thank you to Tracy for hopping on with us. And uh, that leaves us Dave. That leaves us to discuss the Bearcats and the Bruins. And uh, I I do think that is something he brought up there is interesting. The dynamic that maybe year two is, and a lot of times it's year three, is it not? But maybe in modern college football, the way that these coaching changes happen so fast and furious anymore, maybe you are looking at year two as the year that, that things click and you get things on track.
2: I think I think you can do year 2 if you bring back a senior class kind of like UC brought back last year. Yeah. Um I think it's still difficult like looking at UCLA specifically like they're going to they have a lot of talent that's not that was never in question. But it's still going to be hard to take that big of a jump when you're still relying even though they've been in the program for a year, you're still relying on a lot of true sophomores or redshirt sophomores or now redshirt freshmen. It's just different. Like, you know, UC was able to take that big jump partly because they had an influx in talent, but they also had some really key guys that were seniors that had been in the program a long time that that, that took to the new coaching and elevated their games. So, you know, and that, I think it's just a they're just a wild card from the sense of like no one has seen them play run one live play eleven on eleven in fall camp.
0: Yeah, that's hard so to get a read on somebody when you when you haven't.
2: It's
0: tough to tough to gauge,
2: you know. But at the same time, you know, nobody really. You know, we can look back on what we talked about last year. I mean, we in our season preview podcast, we were talking about six and six and making a ball game.
0: And And I don't think anybody recall, really logistically thought they were gonna beat UCLA.
2: No, I we didn't. Neither of us did. I mean, in our podcast we didn't we didn't think we would. I was on with uh, one of their guys last year and I didn't think they would. Like it, because why like honestly why would you they were four and eight and like you said earlier, very very easily could have been one and eleven so what would lend you to believe that they were based off of that that they were going to go out there and win now maybe that now changes your view of things and last year is last year, and I think fans of all teams try to pull things from results last year but there, it's really one in of itself. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily that anything that happened last year will have a real, you know, a real bearing on what happens this year. Um, for this game specifically, the re- the reasons I like UC are more about UC and not really about UCLA. I mean, we know how hard it is for non-conference teams to play in nipper. Um, you know, twenty years, five non-conference losses, and three of those were in two thousand one and two thousand two combined. Yeah, so it's, it's just tough, and they've beaten some good teams. I mean, they've beaten Miami, Florida. They beat Fresno State when they had Ryan Matthews. They beat Oregon State when they had Rogers Brothers. So it's not like a bunch of FCS games and MAC games. I mean, they've beaten legitimate opponents from, you know, basically all conferences. So that's tough. They've Um, beaten Miami like 12 times. A (laughs) hundred times in a row, yeah. That's that's not actually very tough. But, you know, you have that dynamic that will always give UC fans confidence to think that for the most part, you know, a non-conference game, the other team is not going to, you know, is not going to win. Let,
0: let's look um, at the, those games, too, real quick. Were any of them at night?
2: Uh, well, I don't remember the ones in 2001 and 2002
0: because I was at UT. E. Right, e. The,
2: the, the recent one. But uh, the BYU game was not. And the Marshall game might have been or it might have started at, like, 3.30. and beco- But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's. No. I don't think and the anyway the BYU night, the BYU game was Tuberville anyway. So like that's like, like a separate division for that.
0: Especially Thursday night ESPN. There have right, been many, many a teams come in and just get absolutely blitz Thursday night on ESPN and Nippert Stadium.
2: Yeah. Um so you have that factor. I think and this this actually did start last year. I think this team has an incredible amount of buy-in, an incredible amount of togetherness, and an incredible amount of trust in each other and in the coaching staff. Absolutely. And they know that, like, yes, I'm sure they're expecting UCLA to be better, but UC is also better, I think, than last year, and they know they can beat them. So, yeah. you know, they're going to walk out onto the field and go, yeah, this is our field. This is, we beat these guys last year. We can do it again. Now, I don't I know if they will. I don't know if they will win, would win by a lot, win by a little, would, but they're going to be of the mindset that this is, this is no, no big deal to us.
0: Here's the thing that, that this, is, um, this is kind of my big takeaway coming into the game. I think last year, the physicality, that and let's preface this by saying, that team in 2017 on tape that UCLA was preparing for was not a physical team. No, not at all. So I think the physicality, especially up front on both lines of scrimmage, I think that shocked UCLA. Um, I think that element of shock, obviously, is clearly gone. Does that mean I don't think UC is going to have success in the trenches? No. But what it means is they're going to have to be effective in other ways. Because UCLA is going to be ready for a team that's going to try to punch them in the mouth. I think that's the big difference from last year to this year. I talked about it a lot during the Mick era in basketball. We saw a different team in those home-and-home home series. Every time we got to the second game, we saw a team that was prepared because they had seen it a year earlier. Now, UC still might have won the game, but what I'm saying is the element of, and I don't even want to say surprise, but it kind of was surprise because it was the first game of the year. What they put on tape in 2017 was not that of a team that was just going to bloody your nose. And they come back in 2018 and had the ability to do that. I think the big difference is UCLA is going to be prepared for that this time around. So Cincinnati's going to have to have a counterpunch. I think they will, and I think a lot of that comes in Desmond Ritter's development. Because he wasn't, let's be honest, he was not a threat really in that UCLA game. Outside of, what, one incredible play, catch made by Jayshon Jackson? There really wasn't a great throw. Jayshon just made a hell of a play.
2: Well, Mike Warren was the leading receiver with three catches for 29 yards. Yeah, and so one hundred, threw for 110 yards.
0: So that's the element that UCLA is gonna have to kind of be better prepared for. Now, that is on tape because Des got much significantly better as the year went on last year, and especially sure. towards the end of the season. So they're gonna be somewhat ready for that. But I think UCLA is going to be ready for the physicality that UCL that UC displayed last year in the Rose Bowl. So Cincinnati's gonna have to be able to to step up in other areas while still playing that physical style that, that Luke Fickle is known for.
2: Yeah. I mean, they, they can be, they can know it's coming, but that doesn't mean that they're going yeah, to be I mean, able to handle it.
0: I, I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying last year, I think it took them completely by surprise when UC settled down and just started punching them in the mouth on both sides. Well, of like
2: Tracy, like
0: Tracy said, I mean, they started
2: three freshman defensive linemen. there's, you can practice all you want. There's no way you're re- you're ready for that because you're not beating on your own guys, right? Like you wouldn't like you would in a game against an opponent. So you got you know Gary Campbell, Kyle Trout, Morgan James in the middle there. No, yeah, they those those, those freshmen that was an weren't old prepared line. weren't prepared for that. A very so, old line yeah, last absolutely. year. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. My my concern and it's. It's kind of what we've talked about in years past with the defensive line obviously it ended up not being a concern last year it's just teams know now to test the middle UCLA now has a much more veteran offensive line and they're going you know they're going to test I would imagine they're going to test the new defensive tackles to see if they're up to the challenge to replace. Broughton and Copeland. And I think that'll be a, a, a huge telling point because last year outside of the seventy-four yard touchdown run, I mean, I'm not even sure they averaged two yards a
0: carry. Yeah, the line completely shut and down a, their run game last year outside. And a of lot play. of that had to do a lot of that had to do with you know,
2: the two guys that you know, or in NFL camps right now, so we'll see where we stack up against a team that has a legit offensive line, has a legit running back, has a running quarterback. You know, where where do we stack up then with with all four of the guys, not just the, the two two starters? Because like I'm confident in the linebackers. I mean, I think we're we're five strong, if not more, at, across the board at linebacker. Yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot about the secondary with Kobe and the two safeties, and even the even the backup, you know, the one B safeties. Um, so I'm not really concerned there. But if the if the interior guys can't. Hold their own, and that just means that there's a better chance that the usually offensive line gets their hands on our linebackers, and then that's where that becomes becomes a problem. So you know, it'll. I think that's a huge, huge telling point
0: for our defense. You know, well yeah. The big, thing, the big thing for the linebackers last year was because of of Broughton and Copeland, the linebackers got to pretty much run free. Oh, yeah. There weren't a lot of, like, if you go back and, and look at a lot of those, the the video of Mike Warren runs, or not of Mike Warren runs, duh, but of, like, the, the early down stops, because they were one of the best in the nation at three and outs last year. If you go back and look at a lot of those, it was because Broughton and Copeland got pushed upfield on first and second down, and, and, and on running downs, there was nowhere to run. So can ponder and Elijah ponder and Jabari Taylor, Marcus Brown, Curtis Brooks, maybe even Deshaun Martin uh, who I thought had a pretty solid camp for a guy really getting his first reps as a redshirt freshman. If those guys can can cause some problems up front at the at the point of attack, then the linebackers can get free. But if you're able to single those guys and slide a guard out into the second level or get a, a, a you know somebody to pull on the opposite side because you can get single coverage on the offensive line, then then that's clearly where there could be a problem. Um, I think those guys have done a really good job, and and I say that I would be less confident if it was if we were talking about the ends, because we know there have been you know there's been a lot of shuffling at tackle. Ferg missed a couple of days of camp. Right. Um, if it was the ends, I would be a a little more. Unsure, but I think Jeremy Cooper is going to be a phenomenal four-year starter at left guard. Morgan James right. is a beast at right guard. And, and we've seen Jakari Robinson hold his own for, for six games where he was inserted as the starting center. So they've been sol- they're solid up the middle. And those defensive tackles were still able to create problems throughout camp. Um, now, how much of it was the guards trying to cover for the tackles or, you know, sliding protection to make sure they were they were okay in this area and it caused some issues in that area? Uh, we'll find out on, on Thursday night, but I think everybody, and you heard it from Luke Fickle, if you talk to myself or, or Justin Williams or Dan Horde, I think we all walked away thinking, I don't think they're, I mean, they're obviously not going to be as good at tackle as they were last year. But I don't think they're going to be bad, which I was the concern, right? Coming into spring and then into camp, don't be bad at those positions because you've got new guys. And it'll be interesting to see how that rotation works because I think part of the plan this year is to just try to wear out offensive lines by constantly rotating those four or five guys in and out of the rotation. Right. Yeah,
2: I, I think it'll be interesting to see – with them starting a true freshman left tackle, if Coach Freeman tries to get aggressive on that side to just, you know, try to make this kid's head spin, like yeah. running, run, running T E you know, T-E stunts, send in a safety, send in an extra linebacker behind the defensive end, you know, all sorts of different things are options. But I mean, that's probably something I would do. Like, I would test this guy right away and be like, you know, is this a, is this going to be a floodgate all game where we can just make, you know, their offense bogged down because we're just outnumbering them on that side where they have to sh- – I'm sure they're going to throw some tight ends over there. I mean, I can't imagine they're just going to leave the kid out on an island,
0: you know, the majority of do the they- game, regardless <laughs> of it. Dave, what's I, that? I- I've been keeping up with not as much as you, but I have been keeping up with UCLA. I don't recall them ever speaking of a tight end. Do they have them on the roster?
2: Yeah, they got they actually got like two pretty good ones. Okay. Um and then they had Taylor Wilson was their main tight end last year, I think. Um but yeah, they've got they've got a couple guys that I think yeah, you know, are are pretty good. So I, they're they're not running that like you know everyone no one remembers chip Kelly's like Eagles 49ers offense they only right. remember the blur the Oregon offense but they're not really running I mean as Tracy said they're not really running that it's definitely more tight end pro style play Here's my question
0: pass. Yeah. why the hell not? Why? Why wouldn't I, I? Don't understand why he's not running the blur. Uh,
2: that's – I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I think I that gets Oregon into like the whole that I gets into Oregon. like a whole deeper thing about where West Coast recruiting and football as a whole is now compared to where it was when he was at Oregon and. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's that's definitely, you know, maybe that's the question we probably should have asked Tracy. I don't know if, if, it
0: you know, I don't know. I remember it working pretty don't well. Know. Don't like I, I could be crazy, yeah. but Oregon was pretty good when Chip Kelly was the coach, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they had Dennis Dixon to. Marcus Mariota, Jeremiah Masoli, like a lot of good quarterbacks that are in that system. Plenty of good running backs. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where, you know, where, how they came, he came to the decision to kind of move away from that, but it's definitely not anywhere near what,
0: what that was. So, uh, that just it just it just strikes me as odd I mean we've heard this we heard it last year that he was he was bringing more of the pro style stuff with him than he was the Oregon stuff and i I don't know like you're not coaching in the pros anymore you're coaching in college and the blur was the freaking blur like I watch I watched them play for a title right
2: yes yeah, they did
0: I mean I watched them be basically top five for how many years in a row? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm crazy. I just, if I had something like that at college that worked at that level, I think I would. When I went back to college, I would say, "All right, well, let's uh, let's 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 fire it up. Let's get the band back together and try to run the blur again." I don't know. Sorry for the tangent, but it just strikes me as odd that they're. No, they're... I think it's a, you
2: know, from our standpoint, as some as.
0: Outside, Fans yeah.
2: don't don't really follow that you know follow UCLA that closely. It I mean I think it's a legit cur- a legit curiosity you know but um but yeah so Carry on. I think you know I think it it'll be a good game. I think you know I'm, I mean I'm just interested to see UC's defense as a whole what they do differently this year compared to last year what they do you know against a schedule that is on paper right now you know you're going to face some significantly better offenses than than you faced a year ago so does our mindset need to change and and is this going to be a year where if they're going to win some of these bigger marquee games, they're going to have to get in shootouts instead of holding teams to 17 or 24 points. And, you know, is the offense ready to take that step? I mean, these are just, I think these are legitimate questions
0: to, to ask. So,
2: you know, it'll be interesting.
0: For more on what's going to happen this season, you can also check out our season preview podcast. Go to our SoundCloud SoundCloud page and uh, just scroll down, and you'll find the season preview podcast there as well, where we take a stab at how the Bearcats are going to do here in 2019. Dave did not predict an undefeated season. He has done that before.
2: Um probably gonna only do that once since it definitely blew up in my face but hey you you can't say that i'm not willing to go out on a a limb for for the
0: cat unfortunately you went out on a twig and it and it and it broke quickly
2: hey i didn't play any snaps of football so it's not my
0: fault (laughs) all right let's get into the prediction portion the prediction portion of the show, as always, brought to you by Trace Pound It's freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans shipped to you has the roast date print, print, printed clearly on it so you know your coffee is fresh. You can find out about Trace Pound by going to the website www.tracepoundtoss.com slash coffee, T-R-E-S. P-O-N-T-A-S dot com slash coffee. All coffee orders are roasted fresh and shipped out immediately. They offer 12-ounce bags in both whole bean bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roasts. Or you can also go with the K-Cup option now in light, medium, dark, and French roasts. Once you get to the Trace Toss website, you can sign up for a coffee subscription and get freshly roasted beans sent to you every one, two, or four weeks. That's your choice. When you sign up for a coffee subscription, go to checkout. At checkout, if you enter Bearcats, you get 20% off your coffee subscription. That's 20% off and free shipping on every bag of coffee in your subscription with the code Bearcats. Note, please enter the code at checkout. All right, Dave. I know you you're, you've been getting you've been getting a little salty this week. So yeah, let let me hear it. What are, what are your final thoughts? And when you're done with your final thoughts, I want I want everything. I I want uh, some some opinions uh, on UCLA. Thinking they have improved, but but nobody else can improve. Only them. I want your opinion on uh, on ticket sales. Uh, I want your opinion on everything. And then at the end. <laughs> I want a prediction.
2: Okay, let's see. Um, my, here, we'll start with my opinion on ticket sales is I don't really understand why so many people care about what other people do with their time and money. Like, if you want to go to the game, go to the game and have fun. If you don't, then don't. Like, of course, we all want a sold-out nipper every single game. But, you know, that's probably not going to happen, even though we would all love it to. So, like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, if you you tear that much, call some friends that maybe don't have tickets and, you know, try to get them to go. But, like, the whole constant, like, oh, my God, I have to check the website and there's still some, like, dark blue spots and that's a bad look. And they're like, who cares? Go drink beer. Go to the game. Cheer for the Bearcats. Have fun. Don't worry about it. It's a lot of fun to go. You know, don't worry about the people that don't want to be there. You be there with all the other UC fans and have a good time. Like, there's going to be plenty of people there. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rocking. Like, don't worry about it. All right. As far as 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 UCLA goes, like, I get that that they look at last year and they're excited and everything. But, like, the idea that some have that, you know, well, we were just terrible that first game and now we're going to be great but the other team can't possibly also do that same thing. Kind of makes me laugh. Because um, as much as I'm sure our fans didn't watch any UCLA games after that game, I'm pretty sure they weren't really tuning in to any of UC's games either. So, no, you know, no one really knows one way or the other. But it's just kind of like a little funny to me that a three and nine team has so much confidence behind them that they're just going to like come across the country. And as some people say, put a whooping or, you know, kick the crap out of, or certain other things that I've seen uh, of a team that won 11 games last year, regardless of who they played and beat them on their home field. So like you can say that you say he's going to win. Like, I don't think, I, mean, I haven't looked, but I don't think any person in our entire prediction thread on our site has actually said, like, is going to win, which is kind of funny because that's just, like, insane homerism. But, like, UC fans should be confident. Like, why should they think that we're going to lose? Like, I don't think we're going to lose. We might, right. but I don't think we will. And to me, it just kind of, like, boils down to – and I don't even know if people do it consciously anymore. But it's just the, well, They're we're in the Pac-12, and they're in the AAC, and we have Chip Kelly as our coach, and they have some guy named Luke Fickle, that I'm sure most of their fan base had no clue who he was. So there's no way that they can beat us, you know, especially two years in a row. Are you kidding? Like, look how good we were in the second half of last year. Even though we still only won three games and got boat raced by the, all the good teams we played, let's let's leave that part out. Um, <laughs> you know, Utah forty-one to ten. You know, let's, you know, you talk about being better. Okay, whatever. But like, it's just like this whole mentality that UC fans have dealt with forever. I mean, God, you can count on both hands and both feet the number of times that I'm sure some team came to Nipper and was like guys, I mean they're in the they're in conference USA or they just joined the big east and we've been we've been playing big East football for 30 years or or they're in the AAC like they they played East Carolina and UConn the last few weeks there's no way they can can beat us it's the same crap all the time and some at some point you just kind of you get tired of laughing it off and you just and then it just kind of like makes you angry because there's a, there's a track record it's not like it's not like we talk about them beating P five teams that they actually don't do. Like they do it. Right. Like I don't care like I don't care if Virginia Tech was in turmoil last year. They beat a P five team without like they played a quarter, barely over a quarter, so they beat a P five team without their starting quarterback. And you know, they beat them. Like, deal with it. Like, it's, just, it's just the constant excuses, and we see it with, you know, when Houston beat Florida State in the bowl game or UCF beat Auburn in the bowl game, like, oh, they didn't want to be there because they had just lost the album. That's not their problem. Like, and if they don't want to be there, then what, that doesn't say much about them with their coaching staff either. So, you know, it just kind of grows on you and, and grates at you, I think, as the as UC fan. Where like there's just no way that that these, that these teams could possibly lose to little old UC.
0: Yeah, I would just think I mean, they had that mentality last year and got punched in the mouth, and, and I know they, you know they can say they had this excuse. UC had all the same excuses. UC handed them 10 points at the beginning of the game. U.C. had a quarterback that had never taken a snap before. Like many of the things that they are saying were a problem, U.C. had a secondary that had basically no starts as Bearcats. I mean,
2: no, it's not Tyrell even they had Gilbert. no starts. We went over this. They had zero plays ever played at the position that they were now playing. Yeah,
0: Tyrell Gilbert had never played a snap at corner. Kobe Bryant had never played a snap at corner. Derek Forrest and James Wiggins hadn't played at safety. Like, legitimately, brand new. The middle linebacker was a deep, was a backup defensive end, and moved to middle linebacker. Michael Pitts was brand new. Kamani Fitz hadn't, to that point, hadn't proved, proven anything really in his career. Yeah, they have Blutton no, totally. Copeland, but nobody expected those two guys outside of the program. Nobody expected those two guys to be the dominant force that they were coming into last year. We thought they'd be pretty good, but they hadn't shown prior to last year what they showed as seniors. Not even close. So, I mean, Mike Warren was the the backup coming into the season. The starter got hurt the fifth-year quarterback, was replaced two series into the game. Like, don't give me we had questions and we had this and that last year. Cincinnati had them in spades. You know the difference between UCLA and Cincinnati last year? Cincinnati answered those questions week one. UCLA didn't answer those questions until week seven. So forgive me if I don't believe that Cincinnati has improved – Just as much as UCLA, maybe a little more than UCLA. So I think that's where some of this is coming from. Am I right or am I wrong?
2: No, I think you're definitely right. Like, you don't think those, like, and here's the thing, too, like, you don't think Luke and Marcus and Gino and Denbrock are just feeding this shit to them all over again leading up to this game. And you don't think that Dez, who has a real personality and we all know is uber confident and likes to tell everybody about it when he plays. And Be right and Mike and those guys aren't, like, foaming at the mouth for another game like this. Like, these are, these are huge games for them because – You know, they just have to sit there and hear all the time about how, you know, G5 is not the same or the AAC is a a huge step down from a P5. Like, obviously, there's not going to be the depth top to bottom. I mean, the the American has Connecticut and East Carolina, for God's sake. But, like, who's been the best team of the Pac-12 and the AAC for the last three years? UCF. The AAC, and I might even throw Memphis in with. I guess it'd probably be Washington, and Washington was in the playoff a few years ago, so they probably have a little bit of a they have a good good heads up there. But like the top is the top; they're competing at the top of college football, and the Pac-12 is not even sniffing the playoff right now. Right. So you know, it's just, it's another mark. And I, you know, I get tired of Oresco's P6 mantra and scheduling this and scheduling that, but Hey, it's on the schedule. We want to win. As Luke says, if they they're keeping score, we want to win. And I just think they have a, this UC team has a mentality that that this is, this is not a big deal. And, you know, we're going to, we'll show everybody again, like we did last year that, so what we were 14 and a half underdogs last year big deal we won this year we're whatever three three and a half point favorite you know we don't care we're gonna win again so that's
0: you know that's kind of my tangent all altogether there all right who you got we, we made this prediction uh on the on the the previous show but we'll go score now what's your score I got Bearcats cuts 35 28. I agree. I think it's going to be more high scoring. I think both offenses have evolved. Uh, I think UCLA's issues at linebacker definitely present a situation where UC's tight ends and running backs, who happen to be their two best position groups, can be super effective. Um, I think that allows UC to move the chains on third downs. Uh, I'm I'm in a, a similar range as you. I'm going to go Cincinnati 38, UCLA 34. I think that's where I'm at. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think it'll be a good game. Like, I don't,
0: I, I, I have a hard time
2: envisioning, like, either team winning by 17 or more points.
0: I agree. So, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. Um, Tailgating? We're we're not going to get the normal Dave beer prediction because the the Simone Simone family tailgate is uh is probably off this week. Unfortunately, your aunt.
2: No, no, we
0: we've, we've oh, got we've got a tailgate this week. We are on, my friend. I am. Oh. I
2: will I will be on top of Campus Green with bells on and join the eighty degree weather like like you've never seen.
0: That's good to hear. I was in question the last time we spoke.
2: Yeah. Or at least uh, the last time we'll be, we spoke we'll be, about we'll it. We'll be we'll be uh we'll be down a, a member for you know hopefully only a week or two, but yeah, we'll we'll be there.
0: Alright, that's good to hear. How many over under Dave Simone beers?
2: Oh, first game I'm gonna be pretty fired up. The weather I mean, could you ask? No. For better beer beer drinking weather?
0: The only thing I could say is if it was, like, high of 75 and then, like, 68 at kickoff. But I mean, other than that, like we're, be, fi- we're five I'm degrees off. We're not going
2: to be too far off. And it's I know. We're five degrees off. August still, so.
0: Yeah, for August, uh, for late August, perfect weather.
2: I don't know. I'm thinking... I a good like eight or nine.
0: You got work on Friday. Yeah. That might slow you down a little bit late.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I keep it going once we get into the game. That, that's definitely yep. doesn't stop. But, uh but also, yeah. So I mean, we get get another so another we'll season of. Uh, we'll
0: go. We'll go eight and a half. I'll take the over just because the weather is going to be fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Also, uh, came out today. The Bone Zone was on with Mo Egger. And uh, announced a couple of football scheduling updates. And uh, three new series announced for the Bearcats. They will play at Arkansas in 2022. They've got a home-and-home home with Boston College, 26 home, 27 away. And a home-and-home home against NC State, 23 road, 29 away. Um, three three pretty solid quality gets for the Bearcats in terms of schedule. Yeah. And um, I, five, <laughs> five games, yeah, I'm just saying. But when you look at those yeah. teams, those teams are all solid. But that's five games that, that Cincinnati will have a chance to win, I think. I
2: mean – for sure. I mean, like, I want to be – I wish I could bet the UC Arkansas game right now because we're not losing <laughs> that. They're a tire fire. They just they just announced Ben Hicks as their starting quarterback who got benched at SMU, for God's sake. So, I mean, can we hurry up and get that game going? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, some fans don't want to hear it. It is hard to get – teams to come to Nippert because of what we just talked about five losses in 20 years. Like, why would you want to do that if you don't have to? And most of these, these teams don't have to. Right. And, and I agree with the philosophy of, you know, uh, you know, a one-off here or there, depending on the situation or a ultra premier, two-for-one, but, like, for the most part, home-and-home is where it needs to be, and the fans deserve, you know, to have teams come to Nippert that are recognizable, that we see ourselves at equal footing with, and that, you know, provide for a fun home schedule. Like, I look at some of these schedules around the country, And then you have these coaches complaining that their students leave or that no one's there. And I'm like, well, because the games that you can control, you're scheduling Western Carolina, Chattanooga, and Furman. Like, who who the
0: heck wants to go watch that? Right. And take out, like, seven – like, a football game is, like, seven hours. Because the games are four, and you got at least two to tailgate. And then an hour of transport, like, back and forth between home, getting home and back home, getting to the game. Like, you're talking – the football game right now, a college football game, is a seven- to eight-hour commitment. Nobody wants for to sure. make that commitment for Western Carolina.
2: I mean, at, at Big Ten Media Days, you got Pat Fitzgerald talking about how the downfall of college football attendance is telephones, And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? The downfall of college football attendance – is teams scheduling crappy opponents that no one wants to come watch, like, and then charging ridiculous prices to buy season tickets to where maybe you get one or two good league games, and then the rest is trash, and the games you can control are a MAC team, an FCS team, a Sunbelt team, and like maybe a really good game, but it's neutral. So like, why am I buying season tickets? if that's what you're selling me on
0: and i would so, also say you know on top of this hot tip to brandon sasna mike bone and, and the uc athletics team for the enhancements they've made to the game experience at nippert stadium this year three or four absolutely really, i mean three or four really different interesting things that you have to especially with the casual fan we learned this last year at fifth third arena that place became a hot ticket because the arena became an event. Going to the Armory Bar or, or you know, the food and, and all of those different things around the arena became an event. It became the hot thing to do. And they've transitioned that over into the football side with the, the Fifth Third Arena tailgate. And the, the Coors Light Pavilion, I think it is. Is that what it was?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm probably going to end up
0: having like an honorary permanent seat there. <laughs> it's going to be Norm from Cheers. You're going to walk in. Everybody's good, Dave.
2: I mean, it's it's right behind where we sit. They have mixed drinks, so that is a huge appeal to another part of the Simone family. So, yeah, I mean,
0: well, I've always I'm wondered. Pretty sure... I've always wondered why they didn't do more with that area in the first place. It is a perfect party I, area for a game.
2: I mean, you probably need to, you know, the demand probably wasn't there. Yeah, when, but there's still... You know, you got 5,000 people at a game to watch Memphis when you're in I'm, Tumberville, you
0: I'm know. T- I'm talking about over the last 10 years. Like,
2: Yeah, I think, I think the dynamics of how you have to reach out to the fan has changed Yeah, big time in that regard. Like, you, like... Oh, there's very few programs anymore that can pack a stadium solely based on their history. Alabama is struggling to do it. Everybody everybody is. Like attendance across the board is down. Yeah. Besides maybe Clemson, because Clemson's the coolest thing ever right now. But like everybody is. It's not it's not a G5, P5 thing, it's a college football thing and you know I think the majority of it has to do with scheduling and time of games but you, yeah, I mean like UC is doing, I think they're doing a great job in trying to appeal to several different demographics and you know, the, the fan that maybe doesn't have season tickets but it's been to a couple of games and now maybe they come to a couple more this year and they're like, man, all these cool things that they're doing, I'm going to get season tickets next year. I'm going to get, I'm going to go ahead and get a, a prime time pack after Thursday night. Cause I had such a good time and up on the truly, whatever it's called the truly lounge or truly pavilion. So yeah, I mean, you, you can't just sell your, your selling point can't just be we're good at football anymore. That only works for a handful of teams.
0: And I think the, the athletic department staff at University of Cincinnati has done a much better job understanding that they're they're coming oh. into uh, the the 21st century in you have to make your game an event. You have to make your game something that people are excited to attend uh, and, and you have to provide them with something. Ultimately, this is what it comes down to. You have to provide them with a reason to not watch it from their couch on their 65 inch HD flat screen TV which might have a better picture than their eyes at the game, depending on their vision. So you have to, you have to make an event and they're doing a good job discovering different ways, not only to make it an event, but then selling sponsorships on top of the ways to make it an event. So you're getting double the revenue on top of those things. So I I think that's a a great job by them. Um, Have your, have your season tickets arrived? Did you get them in the mail?
2: Yeah. Yes, yes we, we got we got them.
0: I haven't got my press pass yet. I'm outraged.
2: Well, I mean, I would just march right in there on Thursday and, we, you we know, get, with your we, BC Faircutt Journal hat on and say, I'm here to come and game.
0: We get, we get our press credentials tomorrow. I was just kidding. <laughs> I just like reasons for I – like, I love I love outrage. Outrage is a beautiful thing. All right, man, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to Tracy Pearson from Bruin Report Online for coming on and talking about the Bruins a little bit with us. Thanks, as always, to Dave Simone. How's the little one? Is he doing good?
2: Yeah, he is. He's uh, almost two months old, and we're we're preparing for our first Bearcats football game that will probably be Miami.
0: We're going to have to do – we're gonna have to do over under bottles.
2: If everything little... continues to go well. Well for him for who? Him or me. For him. Over under oh. over
0: under bottles at the game. Like throughout
2: the yeah, game. Yeah, if everything continues to go well, he might see a half because it'll be fifty to nothing, and we can probably leave then.
0: <laughs> All right, man. I will see you on Thursday night. Thanks for tuning in. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast on Bearcatjournal.com.